Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media production. With us today is Kevin Marcus Miller, coming all the way from All Approach. He is also known as the Marketing Clarity Doctor. This man has reached incredible feats on an entrepreneurial level, on an artistic level. He comes here today to talk about his pursuit in music, but also a little bit about his entrepreneurial side, his trials and tribulations as a social justice warrior, but also his fight for his personal health. In this awesome episode, Kevin Marcus Miller brings intrigue to a whole different level. This multifaceted gentleman is someone I'm so excited for you guys to hear. Also, be sure to go to the link in the description of this episode to register for the Halloween networking party that my company is hosting, Mr. Thrive Media's October 26th at 6 p.m. Pacific Daytime Halloween networking party. It's always one of our biggest events of the year, and I know you're going to love it. So I'll see you there. Otherwise, let's get this show on the road. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover established artist, entrepreneur, and music producer, Kevin Marcus Miller. Kevin, welcome to the show. What's up, man? How you living? Good, good. And you come with three names as well. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> For real, the parents could not decide. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, at least you don't have like three first names. Because right? that's always like the most head-scratching moment when you meet like a, <laughs> like a Charlie, James, Fred. Exactly. Or just Brad three times. <laughs> yeah. Chad, Michaels, Michaels. Um, right. Right. So you are a music producer and you have a specialty in the area of TV and film. So for the warm-up of this interview, uh, we are going to do our season three warm-up, and I found some really great trivia in the area of film soundtracks. And, and, Interesting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, okay. a, in the area of film soundtracks. So uh, here we go, okay? We got three All questions right, lined Hold up on, for so you. Let me, let me sat on Hold oh, up. Oh, yep. You got to limber <laughs> up. Limber up. <laughs> Question one. What movie is considered to be the first actual rock and roll full-length feature film? Is it A, Rock Around the Clock, B, School of Rock, C, Rocky Horror Picture Show, or D, As the Walls Fall Down? B. B, School of Rock? The answer is A, Rock Around the Clock. But I would have thought so, too. I love Jack Black, you know? Oh, I mean, that's the first one to me. (laughs) Right, right, right. All right. Question two. Bob Dylan played the character Alias in which movie? Is it A, Hard Rock Zombies, B, Trick or Treat, C, Tenacious D, or D, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid? D. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely thank done. You, thank you. All right. Th- this last question actually really surprised me here. I'm, I'm actually really kind of blown away by this uh, trivia. I don't know how I missed it the first time I watched this movie. <laughs> but Guns N' Roses played a non-existent band in one of the Dirty Harry sequels. Which sequel do you see them in? Is it A, The Enforcer, B, The Deadpool, C, Magnum Force, or D, Sudden Impact? Mm, that's a hard one. I'm going to go with C. See, it was yeah. B, the Deadpool. That was my other option. Yeah, uh, you know, I know. It seems like the not obvious. It's 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 an obscure fact. I feel like I was a lot harder on you, but you chose this. We do our pre-interview sessions, and and Kevin said I want you to test me on soundtrack trivia in film and media, and I'm yeah. like, okay, all right, you got it. But you also said something about sync licensing in that, right. 
And I don't fully understand what sync licensing is. Can you explain that to me? Of course. So um, it's interesting. So the trivia you found a different variation of sync licensing, which is why I didn't get 100%. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> so there's two, but it's all good because that was a good challenge. Sync licensing essentially is putting any music to picture, right? So music, the, the word sync and then licensing, right? So sync meaning sync picture to sound, right? And then licensing the ability to do that in multiple mediums. Some of those mediums are like major feature films. Some of those mediums are, you know, commercials, um, putting a putting a song on a radio jingle, right? So as long as there's picture and sound, then you are you are exercising what's called sync licensing. Got it. Okay. So there is this practice of putting in any kind of music to film and uh, synchronizing it within the story of the show, and that will be considered sync licensing. Right, right. And they call those a sync. They say, oh, you just landed a sync. Oh, okay. Got yeah. it. You landed a sync. That's such right. a... I'm like thinking about like how that sounds. <laughs> it landed a sync. Uh, to me, I feel like you would say you sync a sync. I don't know. Like S-I-N-K-S-Y-N-C. I, like I don't know. Like in my head. Sync That's what makes sense to me. I mean, I honestly, I kind of I dig that, honestly. But right. yeah, no, no one's ever sync a sync. No? Yeah, right. Right. So I want you to tell everyone like what are some of like your major highlights right now and what you're going to continue to do within the world of TV? Because you've done some pretty incredible titles that are recognizable that your music has been in. Yeah, man. The the biggest sync I've landed to date was in 2016. It was in a major feature film. It was at the time in 2016, the number one comedy in American theaters. It was called Almost Christmas with Gabrielle Union, um, Monique, and Donald Glover. And that's such a good cast, too. So, <laughs> I mean, but that means that that whole entire cast heard your music as well. Correct. Yeah. Do you actually get the opportunity to meet these people? No, you're, we're, you're way removed. You know what I mean? You're like a vendor, you know. Wait, yeah. how'd you find out about that? How did I find out about when I landed it? Yeah. Oh, man, that phone call was crazy. When, when you synced the sync, how did you find out? <laughs> so I was actually uh, in college at the time, still a broke college kid. And uh, literally, I'm sitting there, and um, I'm going to think, let's see, where, where was I heading? I think I was heading back from my, yeah, my internship, summertime, summer internship. So I'm walking on campus, get a random phone call, number I've never seen before. Hey, what's up, Kev? Hey, who's this? This is your, your sync agent. So the, the, the people that put your music in these uh, TV shows or movies. And she said, hey, I got a big surprise for you, buddy. And I was like, what? <laughs> You're going to the movie theaters in a couple months, buddy. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> and this is like my first one. Wow. Uh, first movie, at least, like at this level. And so um, she was like, yeah, but you're going to get paid up front and royalties for the rest of your life. And I was like, wow. That's incredible. So you're still receiving money then from that project whenever Correct. it shows every Christmas. So the crazy part about the way it works is you also get paid for any time it airs randomly throughout the year anywhere. So it could air overseas on HBO Europe, right? Wow. Or wow. wherever. Anytime it's ever played, I get paid. 
Wow, that's incredible. So this is a good opportunity to mention that anyone who's listening, all you guys got to do is hit up Kevin and just tell him that the <laughs> drinks are on him, okay? And you go and meet him. Uh, but that's really, really awesome, Kevin. I, I'm I, I'm incredibly impressed. And, and I mean, that's that was while you were a broke college kid, which means that very quickly you were no longer a broke college kid. Well, the interesting thing about it, my man, is uh, it's all relative. So, you know, yes, I was able to pay my month for my rent for a couple months uh, with the upfront money, but that's, I mean, that's just a couple months, you know what I mean? Right, right. No, totally, totally. Yeah. And so what, what are some of the other titles then that you eventually landed? Uh, the very first one was earlier that year. It was MTV True Life. Um, and so that was, you know, that was exciting because the very first one, I'll just be honest with you, man, that first one feels different. You never get that feeling back. What, what, what is it? What does it? What does it feel like? There's got to be a lot of people out there who are wondering what that probably feels like. It's like winning the Super Bowl or something crazy like that. It's like an absolute adrenaline rush. Because the thing is, you got to keep in mind, like we all watch TV every day, but it's different when you're hearing yourself on TV. That's like a really, you know, for some those of you who are big dreamers and have big goals, like manifesting and hearing yourself in that capacity is a whole nother story. Uh, and it helps you build self-confidence and self-esteem on a different level. So that was for sure just a whole nother plateau for me and my, my journey. That's, that's phenomenal. That's really incredible. And what, what are some of the other uh, amazing titles that you have been involved in? Uh, let's see. Let's, let's run down. About 80 so far. date since 2016 is when I started. 80? Uh, oh, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's weird, man? It's like, over time, it's not exciting anymore. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it really isn't. You know, after after about the third or fourth time, it, it just becomes part of, you know. I mean, that's so, spoken, so. It's spoken like a true established artist. I mean. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm nowhere, you know what I mean? I'm nowhere near, you know, a major, you know, artist or anything like that. But, yeah, I'd say some of the bigger titles I was a part of. Uh, Desperate Housewives, for example. Um, let's see. March Madness, like if you ever watch, you know, basketball tournaments for the NCAA, I did that. Telemundo, a lot of shows on VH1, like Black Ink Crew. Let's see, NBC, some sports, sports TV shows. Yeah, just a lot of random everything, whatever the, whatever my people get me. <laughs> right, right. No, I, 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 I love just how like it seems like it seems like your reach in the tv world is pretty diverse because you're, you're talking about from sports to drama to uh i mean there was a movie that was your first one was this uh, christmas movie that you were a part yeah. of yeah i gotta ask you what is the style of music that you have or are there a variety of different styles that you take on at a time man my lane i stay in my lane and i don't deviate top 40 music i'm talking you know drake you know actually funny funny story the reason I got the placement in the movie was because they couldn't afford to pay Drake. <laughs> I, I'm okay. grateful to him, man. If I ever meet that guy, I'm grateful. Yeah. You keep on persisting down this road. You just got to eventually say to him when you do meet him. It's, all, it's inevitable if that happens. But that's That'd be so, crazy, so, wouldn't it? It'd just be yeah. like a whole nother level of like, whoa, this is, this is weird. <laughs> did you, I'm sorry. Did you just say a whole nother level when I talking about Drake? Know. <laughs> you didn't realize what you said <laughs> but what's weird man is like i, I feel like uh, 
Yeah, so w- when they told me, they were like, we're looking, the song in particular, they were looking for Jumpman by Drake. They were looking for something that sounded like that. And my song said, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the man. Okay. And that's, and that was the song they picked. So it's very much inspired by modern day hip hop. Is that how you would describe it? Yes, sir. That's sick. That's really, I mean, I, I think what Drake has been able to do, he's been able to create waves, but I'm not, we're not here to talk about Drake. I mean, now you are creating waves in this different capacity. Um, how did you even get started in that? You know, what was funny is I actually Googled how to put your music in TV. I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but that's literally what happened. I was in, uh, I think, just graduating high school, getting ready to go to college. You know, put out a couple mixtapes, made some beats, never had any success, and then I kind of got frustrated. So I went to Google, you know, looking for answers. And so I was like, well, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's a back door or side door. So yeah, I Googled it and then I actually never do this, okay? But I did do this, (laughs) disclaimer. I actually paid on one of those scam type sites. I paid to have my music submitted and listened to by a supervisor. And you're never supposed to do that. Of course, at the time I did not know that's what, you know, that's them scamming you really, right? And you don't know that because you're a young starving artist, right? Yeah, so how many creepy cookies were put on your computer after you did that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and how, and how know, soon I, did you I, have I, to replace that computer? Because it was unfixable by that point. I mean, I, honestly, I replaced my computer a good five or six times just because, you know, back in the day, the technology just gets so much better over time. You got to replace it. Otherwise, you, you're not going to be able to get to the next level anyway. <laughs> so Right, right. Can I, can I ask you a personal question? What's that, man? How, how much how much money did you put into these awful scams that you that you fell into? Oh, it was only like fifty dollars. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it, it, there was no tricky thing in it where it's like once it had your credit card info, it can continue to pull money out afterwards. Nah. Oh, nah, okay. Nah, 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 Got it. Because it was like submit to this opportunity for this TV show, right? Right. And that's a, that's a music supervisor just trying to come up and and get paid for listening and saying no to a bunch of people. <laughs> Right, right. And did did you ever go did you ever go back to your friends later on and they were like they were like, dude, it's a scam. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. This is how the industry works. Like, did you ever have that kind of moment with them? I, what's funny is I actually recently, like about a year ago, I wrote an ebook on how I did all this. Okay. And so in that process of writing it, yeah, I actually talked to some of my buddies and I told them like, Yeah, I got scammed and they told me they also got scammed. So it's not a bit it's like it's like earning your stripes at this point. Right. So getting, getting scammed is kind of part of the process. It's part of the process, man. And and you know what, that's, that's the entrepreneur in you is, is, you know, you're talking about what your payment threshold is, meaning how much you, not, not what you can afford. It's different than Uh what you can afford payment threshold, meaning uh, what you can emotionally bear to spend Mm. at once, you know? And so if you have the threshold, the, the tolerance to be able to spend, you know, money in hopes of, you know, getting ahead and instead just learning a lesson, you know, that painful lesson will lead to somewhere for sure. So I get that completely. Hey folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. Hey Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. 
Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast Studio Quality SaaS Remote Recording Platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. Well, let me ask you That's this. Where, where are you from? I'm from uh, a little lily town here, and uh, it's called Winville, Washington. So it's a little north of Seattle. Nice. Okay. So you're in mm-hmm. Seattle right now. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like growing up in that area? You know, I was like one of maybe 10 black kids. So very, you know, very... Uh, uh, why, you know, you feel kind of out of place. I always knew that just looking back, I always knew that, um, I wasn't going to stay there, but I, I learned so much, especially how to operate in our current world, right. How to conduct business, how to, you know, be in, be in rooms that you're uncomfortable being in. And so that was my, that was the roots I had growing and growing up in Woodville. And this, it was just a lot of, lessons learned as well family you know i lived with my family too at the time all of my family members and then you know my parents did split up so that that whole time it feels like a lifetime ago you know right right yeah no when you have those uh those traumatic moments that kind of shape you when you grow up it, it definitely feels dif- distant once you get to a certain point in your life um right. which is why we always say it gets better you know but why was it so difficult in these scenarios, what, what made these uh, scenarios so difficult where you were the only black person? You know, what was interesting is um, I experienced quite a bit of like, you know, a lot of people, they talk about bullying and things like that. But um, in my opinion, just in my, you know, just based on my own experience, like there's different levels of bullying, right? So some people experience like harassment or things like that. But then there's people who experience like, you know, getting shoved in lockers or being, uh, hit physically or, or things like that. And I would say I was on the, the higher meter of experiencing racism um, in a very traumatic way. So, you know, I remember in my very first day of seventh grade, man, I'll never forget it. Walked on the bus, got on the school bus. And uh, this one kid, he was like, N-words aren't allowed to sit on this bus. You got to go to the front. <laughs> You know, I'm the only, you know, bus driver not doing nothing, right? All the kids sitting around, right? And then, you know, I go to school, get back on the bus. He follows me home, right? And he actually beat me up. So that was my very first day of seventh grade. That's terrifying. Yeah, that shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, that shit is terrifying at that age. You know what I mean? So that shapes the way you see the world. So I did have some anger and some things, but over time music became more like an outlet because of that, those experiences that were going through. So music was like a way for me to shine and build self-esteem and confidence and things like that and, and feel more fulfilled because I wasn't feeling so seen or heard in the world. Right, right. And, and what, what, how did you start with the music? Besides yeah, Googling yeah. How, to, how to do like, what, what instrument did you take up first? Right, so uh, in uh, junior high, I took some band. I was a band geek. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I was too, man. I, I feel, oh, I feel yeah. either. Yeah, yeah. I was a trumpet player. I was in the marching band. Oh, that's hard. That's super hard. Yeah, I was a drum, uh, snare drum. You were a snare drum? That's a way mm-hmm. cooler instrument. I don't know. I feel, like I, had, <laughs> I feel like I had a nerd horn or something. I don't know. <laughs> nerd horn. No, I was cool. You know, like I was just doing, you know, I bust in and um, it was like super early, the man. I remember it was like 6 a.m., like band practice or whatever. And, you know, they, I think I was in sixth grade and they make you go as a sixth grader bust to the junior high to do practice and then wow. you go to school. So, that's what I did for a while, and then I worked at Guitar Center. Okay. Yep, in Pro Fun Audio. Times, you know? Fun times, yeah. You ever been there? Oh, yeah, I've been to Guitar Studio plenty of times. Oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I was in the Pro Audio with, like, the DJ equipment and stuff like that. That's that's awesome. And so that's how I eventually started to get a hold of your equipment and begin right. to explore that, I imagine. I had a mentor there, yep. Who was your mentor? Mike Duncan. Mike Duncan. What, what did he teach you? So he, uh, he got me, helped me get the job, and then... He's a family friend, and he does weddings, so he DJs. So I actually shadowed a wedding with him, and then I wanted to DJ, and then turned out I was a lot better at making beats, so I did that. Right, right, right. And do you still are you still are you still close with Mike Duncan today? Actually, no, no. He was more like a um, uh, like a job mentor, not like a life mentor. I see, I see. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Like he well, got me the job, and then and that was the lane we stayed in. It was during that time, so. Got it. Got it. Great well, shout out to Mike Duncan. Who? Shout out to Mike. Yeah. Who's your life mentor then? Andrew Max. Who's that's, that? That's one special guy right there. He's um somebody I met all the way back in Winville, and um, his son and I were friends in like third grade or something crazy like that. So he's been with me since the very beginning when I wanted to just be an artist and make rap songs and. You know, he helped me press up my first CDs, you know what I mean? Like, he was really there and giving me good good guidance and business advice. So, yeah, I mean, he's, to this day, I mean, he helps me with business advice. So, Shout out to, you said his name is Andrew, right? Yeah, shout out to Andrew. Shout out to Andrew. I mean, God, mentors are such value, are invaluable. You know, we, we I was just talking about this with uh, the volunteer committee of my network, at the Mr. Thrive Network, just like... Um, you know, how can we introduce uh, more mentors to the artists and entertainment professionals that come in? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's a concept that we're currently working on uh, because we know that of all the things that can help you navigate life, that that's an invaluable price. That's an invaluable uh, item that you can have in your life, a little, you know, this little trait. So we're exploring that option in a lot of different ways and how we can really I think just help people thrive, which is why we're called the Mr. Thrive Network, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, man, you, <laughs> you got to connect those dots. You hear the T word coming. You hear it coming. I heard it. I heard it, baby. <laughs> now, Kevin, the way that I met you, uh-huh. I should say meet in air quotes because we've never actually met in person. But right, right. Um, the way that I was introduced to you was through Ashwini Prasad, who, by the way, has also been on this podcast. Um and she is a client of mine. I help her with her podcast. I produce her show, uh, the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. Mm-hmm. And that is through editing her podcast. After hearing your story, that was like my uh, my eye opening moment. Of like, oh my god, this guy needs to be on my show too. If we can get his story more heard, you've touched up a little bit on the racism you've experienced. Yep. Are you okay with talking about that here on this platform as well? Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. We can edit this out anytime. 
Yeah, no, we're good. Okay. I would love to talk about what happened uh, in congruence with your condition and how you handle it today. Mm. So, yeah, just a little backstory for folks. Um, when I was in, so we were talking about me being at Qatar Center, right? So that was high school. Then I went to college. So when I was in college, um, that was when I was in the, you know, during my internship and I got in that movie and everything. And so when I graduated, um, I went to school for communications, had a hard time getting a job after I graduated, um, was bouncing from gig to gig. And um, in 2019, when I was bouncing between gigs, um, I went to go play some basketball. Just a regular day, just coming up, you know, it's actually right across the street from where the Mariners play. So I'm inside, it's a little indoor court, a little rec league, you know. Hadn't played in a while either, so. Um, so I, I got the ball, I'm coming up the court, and then out of nowhere, um, I just completely froze. And, and my heart actually completely stopped when I was 25 and I had a sudden cardiac arrest on the basketball court. At 25, that's incredible. Unheard of. It's, yeah, it's pretty unheard of, you know what I mean? It's like really, really obscure. You know, I'm perfectly healthy, you know. Um, and so what happened is, um, this is what, how it was told to me because I don't actually remember it. Paramedics rushed, right? And um, they were able to uh, resuscitate, well, they used an AED machine, right? So they came with the AED machine. Um, and uh, I was really in and out and what they had to do was put me in an induced coma for three days to let my brain heal. And so, um, they weren't sure how I was going to wake up. And, uh, when I woke up, all my faculties were there. So I didn't, I didn't have any brain damage. Um, they also didn't have any diagnosis because it's not genetic. There's not, you know, there wasn't some weird cursor. It's completely electrical. It wasn't my diet, nothing like that. So something seemed to be off with the electrical portion of my heart, right? And I remember, man, I'll never forget it. The very first thought I had when I woke up was I had been living my entire life up until that point, living someone else's dream. And what does that mean in this context? What that means is, yes, I had been doing music and stuff for TV shows and all that, but my vision for my life was much bigger, which was I always wanted to be an entrepreneur um, and paid like an entrepreneur, living like an entrepreneur, traveling. Up until that point, I was just bouncing around from nine to five and contracting gig, you know, not living my dream. I was just taking whatever scraps I could get. Wow. And is that, is that from Andrew's influence, that dream of yours? Um, you know, I, I think that dream of mine was from watching, you know, people like Timbaland, Dr. Dre, and, and actually sitting back in those, you know, those dark days when I was getting bullied saying, maybe if I'm like that, like them, then I can be um, happy. Maybe if I have their level of success, then I can actually like myself in my life. And so that was, that was the motivation. And so I felt like I got a, not a second chance, but a jump start 
with real clarity and ambition because now there was no more fear holding me back anymore. I'd already died. There wasn't anything else to be afraid of at this point. The worst thing that could happen is that I don't go back to work or my lifestyle changes, which I had to accept anyway at that point. So this was a eye-opening, liberating experience for you. Yep. Changed everything. That's a that's a attitude shift moment that only so many get to experience at such an early age. And how old are you now? Twenty-seven. So that was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. So then what happens? Yep. So I uh, wake up from the coma. And, uh, you know, got my fam around me, you know, showing love, making sure I'm good. I'm sore as hell, can't really walk. So I got to, you know, try walking again, all that kind of stuff. And uh, then they they do a seven days when I'm in the hospital, about day seven. They perform a surgery um, to put a subcutaneous defibrillator in my body permanently, which means that if you go to a, you know a restaurant or a gym, there's going to be an AED machine, you know, in case somebody's heart's acting up, right? So what they did is they they put a defibrillator, which is basically a permanent version of the AED machine. So they put that on the side of my body, on the uh, on my left side, on my on you know where my uh, underarm or ribs are, and so they put that there to shock me in case my heart went to a dangerous arrhythmia again. Wow. And have you ever experienced that that shock before? Yeah, several times. Yeah, you know what's weird? People said when I left the hospital, they were like, it's going to feel like a horse kicking you in the chest. But it's even, it's it's a much more peculiar feeling because there's like heat involved when the device charges and then shocks you feel like heat whoa so it's a very strange painful sensation whoa yeah not everyone experiences that you know my grandpa had uh an internal ied uh uh, so i remember uh knowing about that at a young age and actually feeling it through his body it it, it stands out right it's a bump that stands out technology could be yeah, 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 mine's on the side, so it actually um, a lot of people get theirs in their chest. Right, mine's on the side, and then it's like you know, I, I know you can't see me, but <laughs> wow, uh, it's probably the size of a microphone. <laughs> My grandpa's was the size of a small doorknob, and it was in the middle of his chest, so mm-hmm. he kind of had this. You could say it was like an Iron Man thing going on there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, people call me Iron Man Kev sometimes. <laughs> So, okay, it doesn't end there. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't end in your mind. <laughs> Got it. Well, I mean, you have such a great attitude. There's such a great outlook about this. Um, where does this positive mindset come from? So what happened is um, after, you know, I got out of the hospital, um, I went back to work at my nine to five for a while. And then uh, I decided I was going to pursue my dream and uh, accept the fact that I might fail because I wasn't afraid to fail anymore. But up until that point, I was extremely afraid to fail. And so I never took the chance of pursuing my entrepreneurship seriously. And so I did. I walked away from my nine to five in January of 2020. And uh, it was a marketing gig. And I decided to start my own marketing firm. Today, I have 15 employees. It's incredible. And I see you wearing the shirt right now, All Approach. 
Yes, sir. Uh, you guys, if you guys have never heard of this company, you guys need to check out All Approach right away. Kevin, Kevin can explain it better, but really it's about helping businesses stand out and providing them the resources they need to really grow in that up into the right pattern. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. We do marketing. Uh, we do websites. Um, complete, you know, complete outsourcing solutions. Incredible, incredible, and and I find the, I find the uh, approach to outsourcing just so mm-hmm. valuable. It's a it's a lesson I've definitely embraced, uh, incredibly this year in terms of how white labeling works. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I'm always seeking those kind of partnerships with similar agencies like yours to always get the podcast business white labeled into other businesses because. People do ask for podcasts over time, so it's 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 something that I find so mutually beneficial, and it's in, built my business. It really has been. That's the foundation of my business today. So right, you work with a lot of marketing firms, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it it really it really is a privilege to be able to have a positive hand in in this world. Now, when did you start All Approach? You know, it's funny. It's technically um, All Approach was something I was saying in in college. Okay. Right. So I, I had one, like it was literally my, um, <laughs> where I lived in college, yep. the apartment complex, they yep. were my first client. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I, they asked me to be in their little promo video and then they, you know, they're like, Hey, do you know anybody that knows Facebook ads? And I didn't know shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I just lied. I was like, yeah, I know it. <laughs> and I did it. And that's Wow. <laughs> But out. you did it, and that's how you learned. And look at you now. I mean, you got this—you got 15 employees. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, man. that's Thanks, awesome. Man. I want to quickly go back to Ashwini's podcast for a second. Okay. There was a story on that show that I really would like to cover in this episode as well, um, just because I think that that is a very important. Uh, I think it's a very important lesson to be learned for all folks, uh, whether you are an audience member of the show or not, and you just stumbled across this. I think this is a good learning curve. Uh, can can you can you tell us the target story? Yeah, the target story. Ah, uh, man. So basically, um, living with a subcutaneous defibrillator has its limitations, right? So I was actually at uh, I think it was Fred Meyer, actually. Correct. Yeah, Fred Meyer. So I just getting some groceries about a year ago. You know, getting some groceries. You know, there's metal detectors when you walk into Fred Meyer. And so I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave and um, metal detector goes off because I have metal in my body, right? Another customer, another white uh, gentleman, he didn't see it that way. He saw a, somebody that looked, he thought was stealing. What he chose to do in that scenario was he actually obstructed my way physically and got in my face and would not let me leave as if he was a police officer or something. And so he's sitting there obstructing my view. Now my heart's, you know, racing, right? And um, thankfully one of the ladies at the front, you know, she was like, nah, he paid, you know what I mean? And um, this dude's just not letting me leave. Just not letting me leave. Like I, I try to, you know, do a jab, jab step, go the other way. and. He's right there, you know, he's right there following me. So even with the attendant working at Target, this guy wasn't allowing you to pass by. So this no longer was a simple miscommunication. Yeah, and it it wasn't even a communication because nobody had said anything. It was just literally his own assumption 
that this dude has to be stealing because the alarm went off. Do you think it's just the alarm though? No, nah, it's it's that, you know, I mean, if I was a 90 year old white lady, you think he would have done that shit to me? Of course not. No, I mean, let's just all be honest about it. If I was a 90 year old white lady and I was crawling in my little wheelchair, he would damn sure never do that to her. Right. So that means he's doing that because I'm black and that's just what it is. It's pathetic, honestly. And and I think the part that people need to understand about this is, you know, with my my condition, he actually could have killed me because what could have happened is if my heart rate would have had went into a dangerous arrhythmia because of the stress of the situation and he would have actually been responsible for murdering somebody because of his own ignorance and racism right it's fucking awful honestly it's like it's disgusting when a white person sees the excuse and this is obviously a criticism on my own people of my skin color right when a white person is you know decides that it's okay to play police officer just because there's a black person in the room Mm -hmm. you know not, this is a, I wouldn't even call this a microaggression at this point. You know, this I mean, it's so, re- it's so regular. I mean, it's like part of everyday life, man. You go into a grocery store and you're black and you look a certain way. Or if you have nice clothes on or whatever, motherfucker's going to follow you. That's just the way it is. Like when I started getting more money, things changed. You know what I mean? Like How so? If you dress nicer, you notice that certain people follow you. If you dress less bummy or if you dress, you know, dress more in your sweats or whatever, and then a certain other type of person is going to follow you, right? So everything is, you're always being policed and judged and and all these things based on your appearance, your tone, if you choose to use a more, you know, accent or whatever you choose to do, you you are performing. And and we're, a lot of the times you're performing to stay, to stay safe, you know? Like what if I just decided in that moment I was not okay with him doing that to me and I snapped. What if I snapped? What if I was like, you know what? You're going to get the fuck out of my way. Then I probably would have been arrested by the cops, right? And then you probably would have been let go. It's a different level of systemic problematic issues right there. And uh, it's seen far too much. And uh, that's why I wanted you on the show was to kind of talk about this this different kind of of racism that is not as black and white. Hmm. You know, it doesn't, it does, it's, it's not portrayed as black and white, but it is black and white at the same time. It's, it's, it's problematic on a multitude of levels, on a societal level, economic level, a racial level, obviously. Um, this is just, it's, it's something that I'm so glad that you're, te- that you're here to tell the story of. Um, I mean, but it sounds like you just said that people have followed you before just because of the way you dress. So this has happened more than once to you. The the metal detector incident has not, but yes, people following me or doing, you know, weird shit. Yeah, that's a normal thing. You know, it's interesting, man. I think people need to understand, um, you know, like black people, like obviously we don't all just have the same thoughts or think the same. So some black people, for example, if they were in my shoes, they would have reacted and, um, and justly so, right? because they're being discriminated against. So they would have said, hey, this is wrong. Stand up for yourself. Me, in that scenario, I don't have the luxury of doing that. The reason is because, you know, if my heart starts to act up because I choose to react, then I'm now losing my life because I'm upset. My life is way more valuable 
than someone's racist bullshit. Hell, I, I could tell you that. The reason is because, um, you know, after, you know, like GI Bill and white flight and all these things in the 60s and 70s, what happened is it became cool for racism to be like everybody had, it's like everybody had a town hall meeting and decided it's not okay to be overtly racist anymore. You gotta be covert. And so in that town hall meeting, like everybody in America got the memo. That's why everybody's so cool. Like imagine if you go to a nice neighborhood and you see the Joneses, right? And you see that guy and he's gonna be sitting there if he sees you know me roll up to see one of my uh, friends or something, he's gonna automatically be like, oh, look, they brought the riffraff in, right? That's You know that's what they're thinking. That's why they're staring at you, right? And so it's it's like everybody had a meeting and decided like, we don't want the riffraff to come in, so we're gonna call it the riffraff instead of calling them the N-word. It's terrible. What a problematic place to be in as a country, especially after the events of the pandemic. And I realize now, talking about the pandemic for a second, mm -hmm. that incident at Target happened during the pandemic. Yeah, man. So you, so that incident with this guy blocking your way, breaking social distancing, could have given you COVID-19 as well. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a fact. And at that point, we might as well just call that biochemical work. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I know it's, I know it's dramatic, but it's like if you're intentionally like, trying to yeah, spread germs, what, what would you call it? You know, man, that's a that's a really deep analysis. I didn't even think of it like that. You know, I, you know, not not. I mean, I, that's just what it is. I, you know, it's 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 uh, that's that's the fucking that's the fucking truth of it, man. In the middle of COVID-19. I, I grew very sensitive to COVID-19 when I had to move back in my parents because uh, mm. I. I realized I had to protect them. I'll never forget there was this one time there was this, uh, I lived in a, during the pandemic, I, I spent my time living in a very conservative neighborhood, uh, which I was really tired of because I'm very much a, a, a left-leaning city kid, you know? I love the city. I, li I love living in LA. I love the young energy of it, right? Mm -hmm. But now I'm 50 miles away from LA and I'm living in this conservative neighborhood that it's not uncommon to come across a trump flag you know mm -hmm. and on my running route that i would do in the mornings while as beautiful as it was one of the di most difficult parts about it was the fact that you had neighbors i had neighbors on a regular basis that wouldn't wear masks because they believe the trump rhetoric and it was uh it was fucking horrific and i i i threw some shade there were some days i was so fed up i genuinely verbally attacked some of these people saying mm -hmm. like wear a mask you know but uh, one person accidentally who wasn't wearing a mask had the gall to sneeze on me while I was running. I remember I had plans wow. leading up to that weekend to see my friends in L.A. And I had to cancel those plans because suddenly this random man sneezed on me. Again, his back wow. was to me. I was running up in his direction. He sneezed on me. If he was wearing a mask, that wouldn't have happened. But I felt the spray hit my body. Wow. And I just remember like, oh, oh, God, no. That the like like i legitimately felt if there if that guy had had covid-19 i could trace i could trace where it started from now i could like identify i was like so horrified it was just some old fucking asshole out there who lives in oxnard i was so upset by that man man do you, do you feel like it's a privilege to be able to react that way 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know mm. that I'd be, I'd be uh, reacted to very differently if I was black. Mm. You know, I, I, I wholeheartedly acknowledge that. That's so interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm going to acknowledge my privilege. There's a lot of privileges I have. You know, what would be interesting, too, is like uh, a lot of people, they have this thing, you know, they talk about like, okay, there's certain privileges of success, right? Or things that are, you know, like, for example, I have certain privileges now because of my media attention, right? Okay. Um, right? right. Or some black people, celebrities, you know, they'll say things like, like Lil Wayne, for example, he said, I've never experienced racism before. I'm Lil Wayne. I thought that was so fascinating. I mean, I got to respect his experience, but also it's just, it's one of those things is like, it's like hard to believe, you know? I think when Lil Wayne said that he was full of shit for the record. <laughs> yeah, I felt, I felt uh, torn in the middle because I like him so much. Right. And um, I, I identify really deeply with people who have their own opinion. And so I felt like, his opinion is valid. I might just not agree with it. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, right. that's a really, that's a really great and beautiful consequence to being in the age of information is being able to respect and disrespect and choose what you like and don't like about mm -hmm. other people's independently described opinions. I mean, I, I certainly have a privilege from where I was born. I, I, there's a, there's a privilege I possess and also a very unique disadvantage I have just for being Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the privilege of being Jewish is that I'm part of a really awesome community. Right, right. Y'all, y'all got it made for real. We, we have a really awesome uh, community that's just supportive. You know that, supportive, that right. you know I I can be a part of a network if I need a, if I if I'm a uh, a Jewish implant not from Los Angeles who came from New York who didn't know a single person. All I have to do is reach out to a George, Jewish organization and they would actually send me. No, I'm serious. This, this is these are real things. Okay, I could I could reach out to a Jewish organization. And they would send me to a Jewish family willing to have a stranger enter their house for Shabbat. That's incredible, man. Right? So that's like that's like part of like the Jewish privilege that exists, right? Um, but on the other hand, it's like we have this very unique position where uh, our culture isn't properly supported by either political side. And because of that, it encourages racism from both the left and the right when it comes to politics. So now mm -hmm. we're in like this really weird place where like you'll hear white supremacists who follow Trump and the right side talking all this, talking all, all they do. And now on the left side, you get uh, the people who are very much enraged by the Israel-Palestine conflict who use that as an excuse to pull out heinous anti-Semitic attacks against civilians as of the last couple of months, you know, so we're in this we're in this weird place, you know. You know, I've always wondered what it was like being Jewish, to be honest with you. Why don't we trade for a day? We should. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take your beard, though. You'll take my beard? Yeah, I'll take your beard. Because you know why? I can't. For some reason, I can't grow one. I, I think you look good the way you are, man. I wouldn't call that baby face either, by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that baby face. I would call that. I mean, you can't even really see it, you know? It's, it's more like. It's like baby shadow, you know? Yeah, baby shadow. I like that. Baby shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that would be a really good rapper name. That's hard. It's Ooh. like baby face, but baby yeah. shadow. Baby, baby shadow. I love that. I, that's <laughs> hard. Are you taking that, Kevin? Are you going to claim that? Are you going to let someone else take that? Why don't right? we trademark that together? <laughs> <laughs>
that should be the next podcast series that y'all do baby yeah Shadow. yeah i love that i love that so kevin i i, I want to just bring this back now we, we've gone off on a really fun tangent i just want to say you know thank you for being on the show and talking about this nuanced world that we live in when it comes to racism but also talking about your success not only as an entrepreneur but as a music producer are you still producing music by the way uh very seldom nowadays only when i feel like and for fun and to be honest with you i prefer it that way okay okay so you prefer to take music on from a more of a do i dare Um, say a hobbyist yeah it is a hobby mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you work with all approach what is the best way that someone can reach out and acquire your services Absolutely. Uh, my thing is, uh, my whole job is to provide marketing clarity for folks. So, um, my, you know, my name is Kevin Marcus Miller, the marketing clarity doc. You can look me up. Feel free to Google me. My name is Kevin Marcus Miller, allapproach.com or Instagram, Twitter. You know how to do it. All right. All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Kevin, the question I ask everybody on my podcast what will you be famous for? I'll be famous for being the one that brings the most clarity to the most successful people. Kevin Marcus Miller, everyone. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.